among other things, all of the four Gospels and their account of what happened after Easter. And I want to speak this morning on the week after Easter. And I want to maybe focus a little bit more since I didn't do an Easter message as such. I would like to focus a little more on the things that happened around Easter and immediately following Easter. Remember I mentioned to you uh, last week that the word Easter is found only one time in Scripture. So really it's, I guess it's an okay term, but a better, a better description of what we celebrated last week would be Resurrection Day. So we need to really understand that when we say Easter sometimes, it brings up these um, images maybe of rabbits and, and eggs and those kind of things. And I guess in our society where we're living, those kind of things are okay in their place. But we need to understand really what the resurrection day is all about. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 20. The Gospel of John gives us a better description of the events after Easter than the other three Gospel writers. Now Matthew, Mark, and Luke are referred to as synoptic Gospels because they are so closely synonymous. That's where we get the word synonym, of course meaning same. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels. John's Gospel is not written exactly like theirs, but John's Gospel has some things that theirs don't have. John, I would say, probably gives us a more complete picture of what happened immediately after Easter. So I'm not going to read the first part of chapter 20 since that's what we dealt with last week. In our, um, in our program and, and uh, in, in the week before in bringing attention to it. But in uh, verse 19, let me just quickly read 19 and 20 to you. And then we'll skip over to verse 26. is where I actually want to start today. Then the same day, verse 19 says, At evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore saith unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, 
and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now verse 26, where I want to start today. Thomas is pretty, I mean, he's pretty dogmatic here. I'm not going to take your word for it. I want to see for myself. And so in verse 26, Jesus assembles again another gathering of the disciples. After eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Of course, the Lord knew that. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. It's really interesting reading when you start looking at how meticulous Jesus was in making sure that he crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, made sure he had done everything that he was supposed to do before he left this earth to go back to heaven. Now this is kind of an anticlimactic week, if I might say so. The capture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's over now. His brutal treatment at the hands of the Roman soldiers is also over. The trial where they found him guilty, now that's over. His torturing and twisting of his body is now over. His body being attached to that old Roman cross is now over. The bleeding wounds from his head, from his hands, from his feet, and from his side are now over. The retrieval of the body by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, that's also over. The burial of his body in a freshly dug grave is now over. The search that the women did to try to find his body, all of that's over. It would seem that the drama of the Easter season is kind of past now. So why should anyone bother anymore since all of those special events are over? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all of them talk about some of the things that Jesus said and did after Easter Sunday morning. But John gives a lot more detail and reminds us of a lot of things. And Jesus in chapter 20 and verse 26, he brings his disciples back together again just one week after the resurrection. He brings them to the same upper room where he had broken bread with them before. And it would seem that it might be a little redundant or repetitive in a sense because those disciples had just gathered there a week earlier 
and Jesus had appeared to them. But they had gathered there with Thomas not being present. So here, the scene is created again, all over. And I want to tell you, Jesus is not ready to go back to the Father yet until all of his disciples had had a chance to witness firsthand that he was truly risen from the dead. So he reassembled them back in the upper room again. This time, Thomas was going to be with them. I want to tell you, it's not the will of God that any perish, but that all come to repentance. I'm so thankful that Thomas called Didymus, who was not present earlier, is now with the disciples And Jesus said, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity so that Thomas can have the same chances that everybody else had. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus continually talked about how important everyone is in the kingdom of God. He said, I am the good shepherd of the sheep. And he said, a good shepherd will leave 99 safely in the fold and will go out in search of one that has gone astray. He said the good shepherd will make sure that his sheep know his voice and that they understand that he is the way to their peace and their contentment. And he said, I will not go back to heaven to sit at the right hand of my Father until all of my disciples have seen and can understand that that grave did not hold me just like I had prophesied to them that the grave would not hold me and death could not keep me. So I want to make sure that they all understand that I am victorious over death, hell, and the grave. It's the will of God that everyone be saved. There's some things you don't have to pray about. And that's one of them. We don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your will, save my child. We don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your will, save that drug addict out there or that person who's living a life that is rebellious to God. I can tell you it is God's will. You don't have to put if in front of any of that. It is the will of God that none perish, but that all come to repentance. Now I'm not talking about this theology of inclusionism that says that everybody is going to be saved eventually, no matter what they do. But I'm talking about the fact that God is giving everybody an equal opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So he was not about to go back to his father until Thomas had been exposed to the same thing. Now now the decision is up to us. I have to make the decision for myself. You have to make the decision for yourself. No one else can make that for you. And I want you to notice something else. Thomas was on the brink of losing an ultimate blessing that Jesus had for him because he was not present when he should have been present. Now that speaks to our faithfulness of attending the house of God. 
That speaks to us being where we're supposed to be at the time of worship and at the time of giving praise to Almighty God. You cannot be here and miss your blessing. You cannot be here and that very word, that Rima word that God has prepared for you and you will miss it because you're not found in the place that you're supposed to be. So Thomas almost missed his blessing. If Jesus had just walked away and said, no, I've given him enough chances now and I'm going to go on back to heaven, Thomas would have never been able to say for himself, I saw the Lord. So I want to tell you today, whenever your circumstances are speaking to you and you feel like you can't do certain things that you know you should be doing, I'm telling you, you're on the brink of losing out on some great blessings that the Lord has in store for you. You don't come to church when you feel like it. You come because it's the right thing to do. And we're going to worship the living God and bring glory to His name. Hallelujah. What an awesome God we serve. I decided a long time ago I don't like to hang around people who are always finding the wrong things to talk about. I don't like to be around negative people. I don't like to be around people that's talking about and putting down other people. I want to be around someone who's going to build me up. I want to be around someone who's going to encourage me in my walk with the Lord. I want to be around people who know something about victory and can tell me, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God's going to get you through this thing because I can tell it that He did me the same thing. Glory to God. Sometimes people say I don't go to church because of the people that go there. You know, the church is filled with liars and cheaters and hypocrites. So I don't go to church. Well, you know what? We don't go to church because of people. We go to church with people. And I'd rather go to heaven with those people than to go to hell and have to live with them the rest of eternity. Amen. But I tell you what, God is a God that gives us opportunity after opportunity. I guess we all will recognize that there are liars on your job. There are cheaters that live in your neighborhood. (laughs) There are people who are doing things wrong all around you every day. But you don't move out of your neighborhood because there are cheaters that live in your neighborhood. You don't quit your job because there's liars on your job. So why should we stop going to church just because everybody in church does not live up to the standard that we think they ought to? There's just some things that God's going to have to get straight and no one else will be able to do it right. So we need to understand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The disciples came and found Thomas and I, I like that. I like the way they, they came to him. Verse 19, as I go back to them, the Bible says the same day, day excuse me, Jesus appeared to them. The doors were shut. 
Notice Jesus doesn't have to have the door open. He doesn't have to have the window shoved up or pushed open. Those walls have no control over that resurrected body. Jesus walked right in the room where they were, the doors being shut. The disciples were afraid for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in their midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They knew that it was the Lord. They said, well now, is my eyes fooling me? Is this really the Lord? So he showed them the scars in his hands and his feet and his side. And they knew that it was the Lord. I want to tell you right now, the Lord God Almighty is the one who will reveal himself. Hallelujah. And Thomas said, I want you to know. I want to believe all that you're saying. I know you said you saw the scars in his hand. You saw the scars in his feet. You saw the scar in his side. But I'm not going to take your word for it. Thomas said, I was there when he fed the hungry just like you were. I was there when he healed the sick just like you were. I was there when he gave sight to the blind just like you were. I was there when he cleansed the lepers just like you were. I was there when he called Lazarus from the grave just like you were. And if you're going to expect me to believe that he is risen from the dead, I'm not going to take your word for it. I want to see for myself. I want to put my hands in his hand. I want to put my finger in his side. I want to experience for myself what you're talking about. Glory to God. I want to see a bunch of people like that who say I'm not satisfied to hear what my daddy used to talk about and what my grandparents talked about. There's some things I got to experience for myself and I'm not going to be satisfied until I've tasted of that new wine. I'm not going to be happy until I have experienced the same thing that you're talking about. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's some things that I can't sympathize with. I cannot tell a woman how to have a baby. I don't, I don't understand the pain and the suffering and the process that there is. I'll have to defer to someone else to give that summary. But I can say I know what it's like to lose a father and a mother. And I can tell you he'll be the father to the fatherless. He'll be a mother to the motherless. He'll be a friend to the friendless. There might be some things that I can't tell you, but there's a lot of things I can tell you. And I'll tell you, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that at the latter end, hallelujah, He shall stand on the earth. Glory to God forever. 
Glory to God. He said, I know that there are folks in this congregation today that Jesus has turned your life around. I know there are some here today that the Lord picked you up out of the gutter of sin. I know there are some today that God has liberated you from the power of drugs. I know there are some here today that God put you in a house when you didn't know you were going to have a house to live in so you can declare beyond the shadow of a doubt, hallelujah, for yourself that Jesus will do everything he said that he would do. Thomas is not saying, I'm doubting Jesus. Thomas is saying, I'm doubting you guys. Of course, you see, Nathaniel, you got a little bit of prejudice in you. Because I remember when you said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So he said, Nathaniel, I don't want to just take your word for this. And he said, Philip, I can remember that you were guilty of mistaken identity when you didn't recognize Jesus and you said, show us the Father. He said, Peter, I know you're telling me all this good stuff now, but you denied him three times. See, I know you're just a man and I know that you've been up some and down some, so I'm not just going to take your word for what's going on. Oh, glory to God. Give me some people that says, I don't want to just hear what other people's got to say. I want to experience it for myself. <laughs> glory to God forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. John... John, the gospel writer, is so clear in this. And he wanted us to understand that Thomas was not doubting Jesus. Thomas was doubting his fellow disciples. And that's why he told them, he said, No, if I'm going to preach about a risen Savior, I want to see Him for myself. I want to know that I know that I know for myself. I'm telling you, when you are put on a witness stand, you have to speak from what you know. You have to speak from the truth that you know. It will not hearsay will not be allowed in court. Conjecture will not be allowed in court. You got to speak what you know. And I'm telling you before, you can carry this gospel to a lost world and speak with conviction and power. You got to know for yourself that the Lord will do exactly what He says He will do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I love what David said whenever Saul gave him his armor to try out when David was going to fight Goliath. I love what David said. He said, now look, I appreciate all that you're trying to do for me, but this is not my armor. Oh no, this is not my anointing. That's yours. My anointing's in a different way. For my God, you see, when I was keeping the sheep out in the wilderness from my father, there came out a lion and there came out a bear to try to steal the sheep. And the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear is the same God 
that will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. I don't need your fancy swords. I don't need your heavy shield. I don't need that big heavy helmet on my head. Just give me my little slingshot and give me those five smooth stones because I'm not depending on the power of my armor. I'm depending on the power of Almighty God that is in me. Hallelujah. Glory to God forever. This, my friend, will separate the sheep from the goats. This will separate who will hold on and who will fall by the wayside. It's whether or not you're satisfied to accept the word of someone else or do you want to see for yourself. I want you to look in verse 26. After eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. He went straight to Thomas. <laughs> See, Jesus knows. He knows what question you have in your mind. He knows what you're struggling with. And Thomas said, Hey guys, I mean, I, I think the world of you. But I'm not going to take your word for it. And Jesus knew that Thomas was struggling with this thing. And he walked straight to him. And Thomas with them, then Jesus being shut, he said, peace be unto you. Let's go, go, to verse, go to verse 27. Then said he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. He went straight to Thomas. He said, okay, this is the kind of evidence you want. Reach out your finger and look at my hands. Put your finger in the scars if you want to because I'm willing to show you right now everything you need to see so your mind will be made up forever. And when times get tough and when people walk away, and you wonder who's left. You're going to remember that time that he walked right up to you. Where you were. Glory to God. And he said, I know you've been going through some tough times. But I want you to know I'm here with you. Hallelujah. Mm. I'm here with you. Reach out your finger and put, put it in the scars in my hand. I want you to see that. I'm the real one. He said, reach hither thy hand and thrust it in my side and be not faithless, but believing. Glory to God. Look what he said. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Hallelujah. What I love about this, Thomas never did do what he said he was going to have to do. He never did put his hand out and put his finger in the scars. He never did reach out and touch Jesus in his side. Time he saw the Lord. And when he heard the voice of the Lord, 
He didn't need anything else. That's all he needed. Glory to God. And when he, Jesus stepped up to, I want to tell you, when you have the kind of relationship to where he walks right up to you, wherever you are, and speaks to you directly, you'll know beyond the shadow of a doubt you don't have to have what other people's got. You've got a relationship with God that is strictly yours and nobody else's. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Ah. As far as we know, Thomas never did put his finger in the scars. But he said, my Lord and my God. That is a powerful statement. It's a... It's a two-handed statement. My Lord refers to his earthly existence. And he said, I recognize you. You're the Lord over everything on this earth. You're my Lord from the time I wake up in the morning until I go to bed at night. You're my Lord over every decision that I make down here in this earth. You're my Lord every moment of every day and I recognize you as my Lord, but that's not all you are. You're my God too. That speaks of His eternity. His forever and forever. Not only will He follow me, hallelujah, not only will He be with me on this earth, but when this life is over, and I've breath, breathed my last breath. He's going to be with me right on into eternity. Glory to God. When death claims this mortal body of mine, he'll be with me on the other side. When I can't preach any longer and someone else stands in my place, he'll be with me on the other side. When I got to lay it all down and walk away, He's going to be with me on the other side. When I stand before Him and I have to recognize Him for who He is, He will be with me on the other side. He is my Lord and my God. He is my Lord here on this earth, but when this earth is finished, hallelujah, He'll be with me forever and forever and forever and forever, and forever, and forever, throughout eternity, he'll be there for me. Jesus said, and Thomas, let's go to this next verse. When Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God, Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believed. But blessed are they that have not seen. <laughs> Lest we feel like he left us out. See, he knew that there wouldn't be room for all of us to be in the upper room. He knew there wouldn't be a place for all of us to gather where his disciples gathered that day. And he said, Thomas, you're an interesting character here. But you had to see me to believe. But he said, I'm going to put a special blessing on those who have not seen and yet they believed. Hallelujah. That's us. That's all of us. Glory to God. I haven't seen the scars in his side. I haven't seen the scars in his hand. I haven't seen him bodily since he arose from the dead. But glory to God, I still believe. I believe the word of God 
I believe that He is my Lord and my God. And I've got a special blessing because I believe Him today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. How blessed we are. How blessed we are to be able to live where we live today. And to be able to enjoy all of the things that we enjoy. When my body returns to the dust that it came from, He's going to be with me on the other side. When my name is nothing but a memory, He's going to be with me on the other side. When all that is left is the sermons I have preached, He'll be with me on the other side. I'm telling you, it's not the end of the story when we have to say goodbye to this old world. When we have to say goodbye to all of these things, you know, it's just beginning for those of us who are the people of God. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. You might not have been in that upper room on that day. You might not have been available with Thomas and the other disciples. You might not have been those who, who weren't, weren't even born yet. He said, I want you to know that if you haven't seen me, but you still believe, blessed are you. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Father, I bless you today. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, for reminding us who our great God is. Thank you, Lord, for your unspeakable gift to us. Jesus has done everything that he could do for you to receive what he has to offer. He's not going to make you receive it, but he will allow you to if you're interested. I don't know, I always wonder, is there anyone in the congregation today who does not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? You need to see for yourself. You don't need to take the word of these other people sitting around you. There's nothing like seeing for yourself. Once you see for yourself, no one will be able to talk you out of it. You truly see for yourself, nobody's going to make you doubt it then. You'll know it, and you'll know it beyond the shadow of a doubt. I wonder if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. 